This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This programme was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio. So some items may be out of date. Phone-in elements of these shows are not available. But if you'd like to comment or give us feedback on our shows, you can tweet us at Love Sport Radio. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. Alternatively, you can find this and other podcasts on iTunes or Spotify using the keyword Love Sport. evening this is love sport london this of course is the crystal palace fan show if you hadn't realized from the music miles blubson here joined <laughs> by the guys from the back of the nest podcast dr Kernaz, nick gillard and of course james howard as well back after a week off james uh, have a nice holiday have a nice break what are you doing letting us down last week <laughs> yeah sorry folks i just fancied the night off <laughs> oh fair enough um, no no sound. there were there were one or two reasons but they've gone completely over my head now. <laughs> oh yeah easy to, easy to forget when you're having a good time <laughs> Um, uh, the weekend wasn't a great result, losing to Sheffield United at home. A game that Palace re- really dominated and were the better side in. But yeah, sometimes these things happen. A player who's been so reliable in Gaeta in goal all season, dropping one in the line, just catching when he should have parried. Uh, you know, you'll give him, you'll give him one mistake, won't you? Indeed, I can't believe I said we'd win four 0 as well, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, well done. I was so confused <laughs> yeah. when you said that. I told oh, you, I was like, reality no. is going to hit you hard. <laughs> no, what got me? Everybody's saying, yeah, yeah, it was Gaeta's Gaeta who made a mistake. Yep, completely accept that. The fact is, we could have played till now and we still wouldn't have scored, and that is a big, big concern. I don't know about you guys, but if if we can't get the ball in the onion bag, despite playing very well in the first half, I thought we were, you know, we were. The, better team but if we can't score goals we're going to be in really really big trouble we're halfway between going down and qualifying for Europe it's only six points I can't see us picking up points at the weekend Um, I think we're in trouble I'm not too sure I just feel like with Roy we know that we don't play attacking football we're not going to score goals but one thing that he does do is make sure the team is solid at the back and yes if you look at the goal it was a Vicente Gaeta mistake and let's say that that he didn't do that mistake, the game might have ended nil-nil. Or, as Miles said at the start of the show, we were pretty much the the side who dominated the game, especially in the first half. So, I, I think there were positives out of the game. Um, and I understand what you mean by um, finishing goals, but all season long, we, we've struggled to score goals. So, it's not something new. And despite that, we haven't really looked at a relegation zone. And if you look at the league table, I feel like there are worse sides than us. However, it's not ideal position, just like you said. Yeah, but look at Southampton. We, we were saying that about them. And look, they've, they've strung a few win, wins together. They're above us 
points above us now. Um, all it takes is is Villa to do the same thing, or or even Norwich to do the same thing, and we and we could be sucked in. You say we we <clears throat> you don't look as if we're scoring goals. Well, at, at a point I did agree with you, but I was expecting at least you know after half time or maybe so sixty minutes that we were going to bring on the players that can help us score goals. Um, and it wasn't until I think after the 80th minute that we had the likes of Townsend and Max Meyer come on. And those are two key players who will create or score goals. Um, and I was very frustrated. Um, you know, I, I don't think I could fault the players. I think we had good possession in the first half. Your goalkeeping errors, as like you said. But um, I'm very disappointed that, um, you know, the manager or whoever doesn't see, you know, that we've gone one goal down. And you've got a, as a home side against a team that really, you know, we should be trying to beat these sort of teams, should be saying, look, we've got to get back into this game. We need to bring on creative players, goal scoring players, and he's not doing it. Um, and then, you know, we wait until after 80 minutes um, for these types of players to come on. And quite frankly, it's too late. The, the, the strange thing is, it's the player who hasn't been scoring for us that was holding us together. And I think he was... He was the kind of link-up uh, in Benteke uh, when he came off. And I'm not sure if he was a, carrying a knock or anything because he looked like he was struggling. But as soon as he came off, whether it was Sheffield United changing their tactics, whether it was the way we set up, um, we just didn't seem to be at the races after that. I've, yeah, I, I agree with you. But Benteke did have a, a good game in that respect. But I'm just still very surprised that we're, we're playing because he just doesn't score goals. And, and he's paid a lot of money to score goals, not to keep possession. You can use other players to keep possession. Uh, the only guy, you know, the guy that scored goal recently, Connor Wickham, has been loaned out. So, you know, work that one out. Yeah, but I mean, who do you start if you don't start Benteke? There's what? that as well. Because the one thing that happened against Southampton was the fact that when we were under pressure, there was no one up there. And I feel like many Palace fans have kind of underrated Benteke's performance on the weekend. Yes, he wasn't as clinical in front of goal. And of course, a striker, that's what you want, a clinical striker. But I felt like when Sheffield United, United were putting us under pressure, this week we had someone that we could boot the ball up to and who could control the ball. Whereas against Southampton, I felt like that, that was our weakest link and we we didn't have the player there. But I, I don't think we've given Connor Wickham a really good run or chance in the side. And I was very disappointed he's been loaned out because I think he's the sort of player we could have said, right, OK, let's give him you know a couple of games, see how he goes. He's the sort of player that holds the ball up, like Benteke, but he has scored, so it it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, he's scored, and he, he's still a couple of yards off the pace, so I can see why they sent him out. I mean, against Southampton, there was a chance where if he was just that little bit fitter, he would have got to. So I'd imagine Roy wants somebody there who can get straight in and score. And yeah, and when Tosson does come back, where does Conor Wickham fit in a rotation? And we've talked about Conor Wickham. He hasn't been able to play as much as much games as we would have liked and for as he would have liked. So I felt like the loan move wasn't really the bad one because it allows him to go and continuously play. What do you make of the decision to drop uh, Riedeveld, Player of the Month for for uh, for January? As soon as Patrick Van Aanholt's back, he's back in the side. I was shocked at that, to be quite honest with you. And, you know, I, I must admit, though, first half when I saw PVA play I thought he, he did look good and he looks a lot quicker getting forward but I would not have dropped a player that had been so consistently good in that position and one player of the month I would have probably have, have said right carry on playing at left back and brought in PVA left midfield how are you, how are you going to explain that if you're Roy what would you have said to Gyro oh, you, how would you have explained to him that he's dropped because he's got to affect him surely yeah, I, I mean, I, I personally would, would be devastated. You know, you think, well, what, what more can I do? Um, and I always, you know, maintain, I think 90% of football managers out there, um, you know, if you've got a player playing well, you've got a team playing well, yeah, arguably a team hasn't played well because we've been getting, you know, losses, etc. But he personally has been playing really well. So I think, you know, that could affect him uh, going when, forward. Yeah, when you look at our system, Patrick Van Aanholt is probably the better player to play at left back because he's got the pace and he's more of a threat going forward however I was shocked just like you were and I felt like going into this game I was saying this as well it sends a wrong message to the players you can't have a player who's been voted not that he's been playing good but not that he's player of the month how can he drop a player of the month straight away for a player like Van, Van Arno I mean yes he did have a good game but it's more than that it's about motivating your players and that is not motivating I mean what should Jaira Readable do if he knows that he's going to get dropped despite how good he has played is this showing that Roy Hodgson has players that when they're fit they play no matter what yeah 
hundred percent. I yeah. mean, even before even before the read the world situation, we know James McCarthy is going to play regardless. We know we know that there are certain players who you're just going to play, and that's the that's the downside about Roy. We saw with Camera, so he didn't give him an opportunity, and we're seeing it once again. I mean, it it didn't turn out to be the worst decision, but I'm looking at the bigger picture and looking at the fact that Gyro has been playing well, so you can't really drop a player like that. Do you think? I mean, I was questioning this, but you know, there was a little bit of talk about PVA coming in for um, Van Arnold. I'm wondering whether he felt under pressure and thought, well, I'm not going to get back into this side. He's had a little chat with his Dutch friends. Oh, I might be available if you can come in with a cheeky offer. Uh, and he was maybe thinking, well, yeah, I, I want to play and I can't get back into the side. And he's had a word, maybe an agent or somebody's had a word with Roy and said, look, you know, am I going to be playing? And put, mm. and put him under pressure. And Roy said, I'm going to get you back in because he's worried about losing the player. Do you not think he could have come in off the bench first game back, though? Yeah, it's something like that. I mean, if Jairo played and Jairo wasn't performing, then yeah, he would have, that, that made sense, him coming off the bench. But the fact that Jairo has been playing well and you drop him straight away when there's no injuries, that's, that's my main issue. It, and PVA would be more of an impact player coming on than Jairo would, I'd imagine. But yeah, I, but I, I, I think you're reading too much into it. There, we, we, we're trying to we're trying to get reasons <laughs> conspiracy theories uh, uh, for it. Um, but then again, what about Andros Townsend? Arguably, he's a better player, more creative, likely to score your goals. So, if Roy's thinking I want my best players to start, then why didn't Andros Townsend start? Uh, good question. I, I didn't think about that. But I mean, let's say if that did happen, and I hugely doubt it, that's poor management. You can't just go and fall for agent trap but I don't think that did happen I just feel like Roy just thought that Patrick Van Aanholt would be a better option on the left hand side to help Wilfred Zaha I mean Jairo Riedewald has been playing well and has been defending well I mean he's a better defender than Van Aanholt but I think Roy went into the game with the mentality that we need someone who can go forward and help Zaha who has been struggling lately due to the fact that he hasn't had much support um, that's what I think is they, down to they do link up well together Will from PVA and to be fair he did have a good half um, Van Arnold and we had that potential sending off we we all agreed that it should have been a, a, a double yellow card mm. uh, which the ref missed uh, and you could be looking at a completely different result if someone had been sent off after yeah, 30 odd minutes. <laughs> yeah well uh, let's talk about VAR because it overturned Joel Ward's red cards of course made it a yellow card uh, the right decision I think but at the same time and you do have to look at the challenge itself Ward was lucky that he didn't catch the player because it was clumsy the way he went in the studs were showing. But it's the same situation in the first half with uh, Bulldog. Um, he should have got red card because it was a very dirty challenge. And James was saying it before the show started, how the referee should have gave another yellow. And then if it was not a red card, then the VAR would have overturned it. And that incident, I mean, the whole referee on on the weekend, it was just amazing to see a referee in the Premier League playing, um, re- um, managing the game this poorly. It was just it was just unbelievable. I felt like he contributed as well, but of course I'm not going to blame the ref uh, for for the result. But the referee was just an absolute mess. They, they said that the reason he didn't get sent off was because he couldn't get a VAR for a second booking. But I thought the second challenge was a straight red. Is that, you don't you don't even need a VAR. Like honestly, he should have just gave him a red. I mean, you don't. I'm not even saying that because it's, it's Zaha and his palace. He. It was it was a red card. I mean, it's not hard to see. There were no players really obstructing the way of the referee. So, if you're a Premier League referee, it doesn't matter if it's happened in the fifth minute, the tenth minute, or the ninetieth minute. It happened in the thirtieth minute. It's a double yellow. He's mm. off. Do you but remember, I felt like the referee just didn't have the guts to send him off. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago when we played Man City and you were talking about the Man City manager? I forgot. I nearly said Mancini there. Uh, Pep Guardiola. Pep Guardiola. Yeah. Mancini. I'm li- Mancini. living in the past. <laughs> um, you could see him put his hands on his head because he thought that the, uh, John Stones had fouled Wilf in the box and given away a penalty. The um, who are we playing? I'm, Man City, I'm, yeah, 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 I know yeah, what no, you're talking no, about. In, yeah. in the Chef, game on Saturday, Chef, Chef, United. Chef United, United manager. He did exactly the same thing with that second tackle on Wilf. Yeah, the managers can see it, but the referee can't. It just sums up the Premier League refs. Very inconsistent, the referee, on, on the weekend. Yeah, correct decision for Joel Ward, though, in the end. But like I said, it was clumsy. He does need to be slightly more careful because the way he did go in was was slightly reckless. He just he got between the legs instead of catching one of, one of the shins of the Sheffield United player. If he had caught him, then there would have been just cause for the red card, probably. 
there were quite a lot of moments in that game where the VAR screen came up as well, weren't mm. there? Three or four? Yeah, it lasted like two, three seconds. There's a strange, uh, strange kind of computerised voice saying, VAR, checking. <laughs> but, but give the ref his due, he did go and look himself. Yeah, that was really interesting to see. Went and had a look, decided to overturn it. Uh, that And that's, that's how VAR really should be used, I think, with the referee controlling agreed. it. Yeah, agreed. And, and I think we've had that a couple of times now in Palace games. And it's good to know. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, if VAR if is here to stay, then that's uh, what we want. We want to get the right result. We want the ref to be on board with the guys in the studio and make sure they all, all, all give the right decision. Um, can I just take us back to Roy dealing with PVA and, and the Guaita mistake? He did come around. Guaita went to the dressing room after the game and said, look, look, I'm really sorry. And Roy said, look, you don't have to apologise. If it wasn't for you we wouldn't be where we are in the table now. You've actually saved us so many points. So that is good man management. And I was hanging around after the game to meet up with uh, Aaron Paul once of this parish. Um, And I saw the players come out again at the end. And... um, Vicente was out there smiling. He was he was quite happy. So obviously Roy had calmed him down quite a bit, and I think he had quite a, an arm around his shoulder. But it shows he cares. Yeah, and every everyone makes mistakes. Uh, up next, uh, it's going to be exciting. We're going to be hearing from when John Solarco talked to the posh boys on Drive earlier in the day. It's eight sixteen. This is Love Sport London. Giving your team a voice. Love Sport Radio. Welcome back to the Crystal Palace Fan Show on Love Sport London. Miles Blumsom here, joined by DR Kernaz, Nick Gillard and James Howard from the Back of the Nest podcast. Earlier in the day on the drive show here on Love Sport Radio, the Posh Boys were on, as they are every day, three until seven. A great show, you really don't want to miss it. Johnny Burrows, I tell you what, Johnny Burrow has got the best radio voice out of anybody <laughs> that I think I've ever heard. It's perfect, it's man-made. No wonder someone said, you know what, you should get into broadcasting. That's a great voice. Uh, so Johnny and Guy earlier in the day spoke to Crystal Palace legend John Solarco. They asked him whether he thinks that Roy Hodgson needs backing. He needs backing. He's coming. He's saved the club. He's like, we're in the Premier League. Back me. Give me money. We've got to entertain the fans. We need to do a little bit more. We can't just be pragmatic all the time. We can't just be, you know, not going at the games and try not to lose them. You know, obviously they sacked Pardew for that. I mean, I'm looking at, you know, Pulis wanted players. And, and, and here's Roy sat in exactly the same position going, well, you know, you sold one Bissaka, you've given me AU, you've given me Tosin on loan. Um, can you give me a little bit more than that? McCarthy's come in, great lad, eight million from Everton, but, you know, give me, give me a little bit more. John Solarco speaking to the Posh Boys on Drive on Love Sport every th- three o'clock every weekday. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you make of John's comments? Um, I think that the board are on Roy's side and I think they've been trying quite hard. I mean, we've got Tosin on board, you Mm. know, obviously he's a good player. He's scored on his full debut. Unfortunately, he's got a bit of an injury now. Um, The other guy, uh, Jared Bowen, we nearly got, but he's gone to West Ham at the last minute for a ridiculous amount of money. He didn't want to come to us. He didn't want to come, but he's gone for a lot of money, 25 million. Yeah, I thought it was 19. We've add-ons, 25 million, I understand. And a relegation. A lot of money. (laughs) Uh, And then you've got the other guy, Nathan Ferguson, who he was going to come and he failed a medical. So you've got one player we got, you've got one that we should have got, but he he decided to change his mind last minute, and the other one failed a medical. It's midway through the season. It's not easy to get players midway through the season. So I think the board are trying. There's not a lot of money about, but I think they are trying. I, I just have to disagree in a way that okay. I, I think I understand <laughs> to a certain extent because I do feel like they are trying, but there's no excuse for leaving a right back, having a medical at Palace till three days till the window closes. We needed a right back since the summer, but we left Nathan Ferguson last minute. We've needed a striker for how long now and yet we left that on the final day of the window that just shows that this management don't have a clue of what is going on I mean what Roy's been he's come out publicly Roy it's not like Roy has been talking behind the scenes he's come out publicly you can go check out his comments he's been saying how we need players we need four or five players and yet again how many did we bring in in this January transfer window just one and that's not good enough I mean 
as fans, of course, we want to push on to the next level. But as owners, you want this club to stay up. And this manager has provided that so far. We haven't looked at the relegation zone. So why haven't you backed the manager and given him the money to spend so we can go and build on? I feel like it's been it's been a shambles, this window. Whether you like Roy's style of play or not, he has brought us stability and, and mid, mid-table mediocrity, dare I say. <laughs> I mean, you think it's bad. We did a live transfer special for two hours on Friday night. Me, DR and a couple of couple of the other back of the nest boys we were we ended it early we were so fed up with it do you think we were stick a do you think we were stitched up by west brom do you think they knew that he was a bit of a crock um b we got money early we cashed in money with an irish bank to get money for aaron wambisaka so that we can pay them in a few months so we can invest where has the money gone exactly there where is, is it? so much money that's come in through transfers and nothing has been spent. Yeah, yeah, but the money's there. It's there, but they've tried to buy two players. Now, I get your point, DR, and I think under normal circumstances, at the end of a normal football season, then players are available and you know what's what, you know where the contracts are up and you've got time to discuss. But during a season, I think you've got to be very diplomatic, very tactile to actually approach a club and discuss a player who may or may not want to leave. The manager's not sure. Uh, and I think that, yeah, in hindsight, you'd like to approach them maybe a month or two before, but it, it just wouldn't go down well because if you don't buy the player, then the, the player at the existing club is going to be, you know, a, a bit of um, conflict or... Have or, their head turned, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and be a bit, 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 bit upset, you know, if he finds out the club is thinking about selling them and then they can't. So that's why I say it's a lot harder to bring in players halfway through the season but the thing with Nathan Ferguson is that it's not all of a sudden that he wants to leave West Brom even before the window opened it's been like that he has been rejecting contracts mm. at West Brom and Palace have been targeting him so why on earth are you leaving it to three to four days before the window closes to get a right back which you needed during the summer that's what I mean I mean for certain players yes of course for strikers we went last minute maybe I'm not too sure what went on with that but with Nathan Ferguson it's not, not something new he has been unsettled that West Brom we have been linked with him so why bring in a player on the final days of the window and then a typical Palace who fails a medical um, why would you why would you do that I had heard some something but you never know what's true or not in that he's going to have his knees sorted and we're going to be back in for him in the summer whether there's any truth in that I don't know. But that's not any good, though. We need the right-back right now. Do you think that one of the reasons that the deal was left so late was monitoring Carl Walker-Peters' situation at Tottenham? He was linked very heavily. 15 mil was the price tag put on him. He's ended up going on loan to Southampton. Uh, Do you... Do you see that as the first choice? Was it looking to see if that deal could go through and then getting Nathan Ferguson? It could be a possibility, but then there's after a certain period of time, when a transfer doesn't happen, then you just might have to move on. And Palace just stuck, uh, stuck by um, stuck by Walker-Peters and that's the club's fault. They should have they should have said, all right, it's not going to work out. Southampton are interested as well. This is what Tottenham are asking for. Let's just move on to the next player and let's try and look at Nathan Ferguson. There's no harm. There's no rule saying that you can only look at one right back mm. at a time. We can look at two right backs at a time. We could have approached Nathan Ferguson during the Walker-Peters moment and maybe had that on hold for the time being. But we didn't. We waited <laughs> until... A deal failed, basically, um, on the final final days of the window. But James just mentioned about players being unhappy and having their head turned. Uh, is a player going to want to end up coming to the club if you're keeping them on hold for somebody else for all that time and waiting for another deal to come through? But then he didn't he didn't want to stay at the club. So uh, there's one. But of would he want to come to Palace or would he go find someone else who yeah, wanted him as first he choice? Didn't, he didn't go anywhere though. That's the thing. It seemed like Palace were the real options. There were always links with him uh, to clubs even abroad. But Palace was his own real option, and then apparently he was left in, left in tears or something like that. That's what I saw on social media. So it, it shows that how much this player wanted to move to Palace. And yes, it's not the greatest thing, but it's a business. So you have to make sure that you have backup plans. And we just left it too late, and that's down to the management basically. I'm. I'm I'm not saying it's all down to Steve Parrish because I feel like American owners, lack of funds, uh, Doug Friedman, he's in charge of the transfers. I mean, bringing in Scott Banks is all great and tossing, but we need more than that. Uh, I feel like everyone is to blame. And one thing that annoys me as well, over the last couple of days, there have been people coming out with inside information and it's clear that people at the club are clearly speaking to these lot and trying to put the blame on others. 
That is poor management. We need to stop that. Take responsibility. No one can take responsibility at this club and it's just becoming a joke right now. Are you sure it's just the one thing that's annoying you, DR? Because I'm, so, <laughs> I'm hearing a bit yeah, of no, animation no, about a few he's, topics yeah, here. He's no. got the right beef tonight. Yeah, yeah, I'm, but I'm, but I'm but moving away from him. No, no, but it is annoying, <laughs> it is annoying <laughs> me though because there, there are people purposely link, uh, leaking information from the inside because they don't want to blame on themselves. Why can't you take responsibility? I mean, no one is coming out and no one is saying anything and I guess we're not really expecting that from the owners but at least be quiet if you can't like if you've done something wrong don't try to put the blame on others for your own mistakes DR you weren't around like me and James were when half our team went to QPR when Terry Venables went did you remember how sick you yeah. felt then Yeah. when we lost half our team we did uh, yeah we got Clive Allen out of it and then he eventually went to QPR as well didn't he yeah yeah because he was rubbish for us and then he went on to score a hatful for Tottenham he did <laughs> he did Duncan, uh, Duncan Ferguson, Duncan. Uh, Nathan Ferguson, and um, had a lot of time for Roy. I think that's why he was so upset because he, he knew Roy from his time at West Brom. Roy actually knew about this player when he was a kid when Roy was back there. You know, he's, he's been there for so long. So I think he really wanted to work with Ferguson. As it is, Roy is not signing a new contract as yet. So all this holding back and not spending this money that we've got in reserve, that we've got from the Irish Bank. We could lose Roy out of it anyway. I think. And where'd you go then? I, mean, I was asking the Charlton boys as they came out whether we could have Lee Bowyer or not, and they, they said no. <laughs> well, they're, they're, they're pretty happy with Lee Bowyer at the moment. He just signed a new three year contract as well, of course. So it sounds like everyone agrees with John that Roy Hodgson does need backing. Now, we're going to be joining up with Love Sport Radio next because uh, we're going to be going nationally around the, con- the around the country here on the Crystal Palace Fan Show. Miles Blumson joined by the back of the Nest team of DR Kernaz, Nick Gillard and James Howard. Still loads and loads to talk about. We'll talk a little bit more about the transfer dealings. Nothing happened on deadline day. It's a bit of a touchy subject. There is football going on this evening as well. Uh, Tottenham hosting Southampton in the FA Cup fourth round replay. Play Shane Long equalising for Southampton. One all is the score at the moment. Crystal Palace fans, 0208 70 20 558 is our number. Give us a call or WhatsApp us. This is Love Sport London. For the fans, by the fans, Love Sport Radio. This is the Crystal Palace fan show on Love Sport Radio as we welcome everybody on Love Sport Radio to the show now. We're linking up with Love Sport London. Uh, Miles Blumsom here joined by the team of DR Kernaz, Nick Gillard and James Howard from the Back of the Nest podcast. Uh, if you were, if you haven't been listening to the first half of the show, you can catch up on all of your podcast providers. Search Love Sport Radio. Uh, it will be up tomorrow morning. You can, of course, use the Love Sport Radio app to listen back on demand as well or lovesportradio.com. We are, yeah, we're all the way around the UK now, guys, so no pressure. It's not yeah. just London. Uh, I want to talk quickly about deadline day. We were just mentioning uh, Roy Hodgson needing backing. No, No one came through the door on deadline day. Do you think it is a case of not throwing the money? Is it that players maybe are hesitant to come to play for Roy Hodgson? Is it Roy being too picky with players that he wants? What do you think the reasons are? I think, as I've mentioned before, I think we just left it too late and we just had to pay for it, really. Um, I mean, a positive out of deadline day was youngsters going out on loan because I've been calling for it. Um, Since the summer, not much activity has happened and these players were at Palace not getting the first team football they need for the development. So that was the positive out of it. But apart from that, of course, the incomings, basically, not basically nothing, nothing. No one came in. Um, That was just unacceptable uh, for a club like Palace who has needed players for a long time now and it was not a last minute thing. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. 
At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I was concentrating on Palace transfers. Did any? Did many other clubs have many transfers? I mean, we're focusing on Palace, but... You know, you didn't hear a lot from other teams, did you? You, you deal with lots of teams. Yeah, here, it, w- it wasn't a big day. Man United, of course, got through Bruno Fernandes and Odian Agallo. Spurs got in Steven Bergvine. Uh, West Ham brought in Jared Bowen, who yeah. Crystal Palace were linked with. There was a few coming. There was a few uh, moves here and there. Uh, I think it was Leicester bought Ryan Bennett from Wolves as well, but. It's not like transfer deadline day used to be, where you are glued to the screen for about an hour and a half after it's closed, waiting for those faxes to go through, because it's the only uh, business in the world that's still using faxes, apparently, is one of the richest businesses in the world that can definitely afford email. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But yeah, deadline day is not what it used to be, but... On the January transfer window as a whole, I don't think is what it used to be. It's almost like clubs have wised up to it and they've thought, no, we don't want to let players go or bring in too much halfway through the season when we don't have pre-season to integrate them. They have to go straight into the side. It's it's an interesting time. Yeah, that's how I see the January transfer window anyways. I see it as a thing where clubs, if the position that they do need the most, that's when they could improve on. It's not It's not like the summer where you can look at various different players on various different positions and just try to strengthen your squad as, as a whole. But it's more about focusing on the positions that you need. And that's why I feel like activity was a bit slow. Um, because one, it is hard to get players in January transfer window. But for clubs like Palace that we're talking about, we, we've needed a right back. Uh, since the summer we've needed a striker and yet none of these players came in and overall it was a poor window well we got Tosin in he's a striker yeah but we still need another one if we're getting if we're getting rid of Conor Wickham I mean right now we're in a sticky position where if Ben Teke gets injured who plays up front um, we're, we're low on numbers so yeah. I felt like we needed a replacement for Wickham if he was to go out on loan which should happen and uh, and I think the club wanted that as well because we were linked with uh, Bowen and uh, Ezzy from QPR so it was no coincidence that that happened um, but of course it didn't it didn't happen uh, we, we couldn't get them plays I remember the days before the transfer window. I don't know if things are actually better now that we have a window or whether they were better before and you could just <laughs> lose a player halfway through the season oh the transfer window is exciting I like it I like it and then you're, then you're good for a few months you're not going to lose your best you know you've got your best players until the end of the season you've got your best players through till January you can hold on to them for a bit and hope they play well can you imagine how hectic that will be though like imagine on the final day of the um, of the season you're bringing in a massive player yeah <laughs> like you, you need the, one win yeah exactly you need one win one win massive <laughs> player that would be crazy but yeah I'm happy with I mean, it a couple of years ago we had about three or four or even five I think that came in halfway through the season um, yeah. and we spent a lot of money so I think things have changed at Palace mm. um, and I really do think that we've had our fingers burnt in the past Adebayor came in halfway through the season didn't do anything <laughs> yeah, yeah thanks for taking uh, it off hands <laughs> I think uh, Sorloff we've wasted money on you know we spent a lot of money on someone that's not proven in the Premier League and I think this is this is goes back to the reason that we probably didn't get Bowen was that we we didn't sort of want to fight with West Ham because overall you know it's going to cost them twenty five million and I think you know for an untested player in the Premier League that's a lot of money. Do you remember the Holloway season when it was like a scattergun blunderbuss approach to just sign anyone that the bullets hit? It was it was we bought yeah. eight or nine and there were only two or three of them that were good. On the subject of Sawloff, I see that um, Aston Villa want to buy him off the Turkish club he's gone to and the Turkish club are trying to sell him for double what they're buying him from us. Who even owns them anymore? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) It's like Carlos Tevez, isn't it? He's a a poor man's Carlos Tevez. When he (laughs) wasn't owned by Man United, he was owned by that investment company, wasn't he? I know we took the mickey out of the Turkish league a bit last week and, and said it wasn't kind of like Premier League standard but he's he's certainly banging the goals in I mean would it be reasonable to recall him back well, off his line I don't know if there's any truth in this but I heard and read that we weren't allowed to bring him back if we broke the contracts it would have cost us quite a few it normally does millions. I think you normally do have to pay it because there's expensive. a loan fee yeah. for, to take players across on loan I think you normally do have to pay money to break 
those loans. Maybe slightly different if you're going down a league, uh, lending a player, and they're not playing. But if they're playing and they're scoring, I think it's quite difficult to bring them back. And also, I don't think Roy is keen on Solov in the first place. Um, I mean, it's, it did sound like it was his signing. However, I think it was a couple of weeks ago he talked about Solov and he said, with all due respect, it is a Turkish league. So mm. by his comments, it seems like Roy is on the same page as me and other fans saying that he's doing that in a league where the competition isn't as high as it is in the Premier League. You um, sent a photo to the back of the nest.com WhatsApp chat with Serloff in it and said some rather nasty words about him. What was all that about, Dion? Oh, Spill because, beans. <laughs> oh, because he, plays, yeah, he plays for a team which I don't, I don't respect. Oh, in Turkey. right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and he was playing against a team that I like. So, yeah. <laughs> Not very happy. Exactly. <laughs> let's, let's talk about the Nathan Ferguson situation because Crystal Palace have needed a right back. Nathan Ferguson is a player who can play across the back line, playing very well for West Brom, uh, looking to make the step up to the Premier League as a young player. It looked like when we were on last week, last Wednesday, we were sort of like, great, Nathan Ferguson's through the door, he's having his medical, no problem. It's not often that a player fails his medical. Uh, it's a massive blow for Roy Hodgson and a massive blow for Crystal Palace because he was a player really needed. Exactly, and it's not often often that a player, player plays 21 games in a season, uh, basically plays two days before his medical and then all of a sudden he comes to Palace and he has a problem with his knee. And, <laughs> and Wickham goes to Sheffield Wednesday and doesn't fail a medical. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. that one out. But I think this goes back to, you know, Steve Parrish and the other owners. Uh, you know, they've had their fingers burnt before. I think, you know, we were we were sort of mentioned about when Jack Wilshire became available and we were like, no, 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 no. And I think the, the Parish and, and the managers thought, no, we're not going to take a risk on this. And I think that, you know, this, this go, whether it be the quality they haven't played in the Premier League or whether it be that they've got injuries or if they fail, fail a medical, we haven't got a board. We've got a supporter who is a, the owner of the club or, or controlling the club at the moment. Um, and he's a really true supporter at the end of the day. And I think, you know, he knows what happens and he's had experience in players that have been come to Palace and quite frankly, been a waste of money or just been injury prone. And he's not prepared to take a risk. And if it means we lose out halfway through the season on a player, now then we do. But, you know, going back to what, as a club, you know, I know you're saying we, we potentially need a right back. And I do agree. We, we have weakened that position, but we still have Joel Ward and we still have Kelly. Um, but I do believe that, you know, from what I've heard on the media is a lot of other fans from other clubs do think we've got a strong team or a strong... Mm. Yeah, a, a yeah, strong yeah, squad. Yeah, I th- I th- the squad is very strong. And it's it's not, you know, it's it's not going to set the world alight. It it feels very mid-table, but at, right now, in terms of solidifying in the Premier League and being a mid-table side, Palace fans generally are happy with that. But the, but the signing of Ferguson would have taken us to another level. No, no disrespect to Joel Ward, but. I said last week on the show that if we get Ferguson in, it might give Ward a bit more impetus to up his game a bit. I thought he was poor on Saturday. And mm. and then Kelly, yes, he's a great servant to the club, but he's he's not the bestest thing in the world, is he? he? I don't think he's a Premier League right-back. I don't think Kelly He's better is. at centre-back, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. thought he was brilliant at the beginning of the season. I mean, I would, you know, I would have wanted... I wouldn't... I think he got injured, but, you know, there's no way I would have dropped him but the way he was playing. Um, but, yeah, you know, ideally, we wanted the right-back, and I don't think we can criticise the club. We went in, and he had a medical, and he failed the medical. Mm. That's it. What's the point in having... Otherwise, what's the point in having a medical? Yeah. If you're going to have a medical, yeah, then you've got to... You've got to turn, walk away if they fail a medical. Otherwise, you just go in and you, it's like, you know, you, you buy a house at an auction without going to see the house beforehand. <laughs> it's a risk. It's a big yeah, risk. Yeah, it is a risk. And this is a big risk. You, you, you know, so you either buy a plane, you don't bother with the medical... Yeah, which has probably happened on more than one occasion. With I'd other say clubs, that there arguably. have been players whose medicals have been ignored and it's not Absolutely. worked out. You remember, uh, was it Arsenal signed Paulson and he came in, he was injured, he played once in the six months yeah. in the midfield. And you know, if that's happened with Nathan Ferguson, that's that that's not good enough. No, and we haven't got pots of money. We don't have a sugar daddy. Uh, most of the TV money goes on wages. Um, we've got American owners that want to get out of the club. Mm. Uh, we've got a manager that. The contract ends at the end of the season, so arguably, would you want you want to buy players under him if you're thinking that he might leave? He might want to leave. We might want him to leave. Who knows? So I think that there are some good arguments for why we wouldn't panic. We didn't panic. Um, it's just very upsetting, very frustrating. I'm more concerned about um, the manager's tactics on the day of matches than I am about other things. Um, 
behind the scenes. Well, speaking about Roy Hodgson, he has done some good in the community. Over the last week, he has uh, helped open a Croydon centre to support the homeless uh, in South London. Um, That's what you want to see out of members of the club, is getting not just being there to help the football team, to help progress the club forward, but uh, it's almost an old school uh, ideology to want them to become members of the community and make the community a better place. So you've got to commend Roy Hodgson for that. And you can never question his uh, attitude towards the area that he's managing in and you know his attitude towards managing a football club he's from Croydon as well yeah. you know he, he watched Palace as a boy he's a, he's a Croydon Croydon born and bred so you know that that's natural that he's going to want to do that and quite a lot of other Palace players I've, I've seen Andros has been on the telly doing lots of stuff for mental health yes. with uh, Prince William Nearly said Prince Andrew there. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 he's not doing anything with Prince Andrew. No one's doing anything with Prince Andrew at the moment. We're not mentioning that. But, uh, you, you know, you must love seeing a manager who, uh, no matter what you think about him on the, on the pitch in terms of uh, team performances, that is willing to go above and beyond and help out the community. Yeah, I mean, Roy, he's a great person. Um, it's just, of course, when we talk about him on the show, 99% of the time it's about his football tactic. That's why it's so negative. But him as a person, he is a good person and it's not the first time he's done something like this and I feel like we do have to talk about situation about um, scenarios like uh, like the ones of him hope um, helping open a homeless center in Croydon because it just shows that you know certain clubs don't use their resources as much and they and Palace, fortunately, have been. And we have seen lots of occasions of Palace actually helping out homeless people, helping out youth. So it's a credit to the club, really. It's not just resources. It's also platform. When you have someone like Roy Hodgson, someone like age uh, Crystal Palace player, go down to help out, that means that it's going to get some coverage in the newspapers. It's going to get some coverage in the media. And then people will see it and might be inclined to donate. And that's what you want to see your football club doing. Yeah, it's a bit like... Um... We were the only club, I think, that were putting up the homeless in our um, offices and suites over Christmas time, which mm. we got a lot of kudos for that um, yeah. around the country. Everyone was like, wow, that's a great thing that Crystal Palace is doing. You know, it's freezing cold and they've allowed the homeless to sleep on the, you know, in in the hospitality suites, etc. It, it's great. It, it just, people think of us still probably as a nice kind of family club, which mm. is good. Um and, you know, Roy's a nice guy. You know, you never really see him lose the rag uh, no. on TV. A lot of the pundits and the professionals out there on TV, they, they like him. He comes across really well. He is a really nice person. And I'm I'm proud of the fact that he is in the community and he is going out there. And I've, I've met him personally and, and he's always willing to say hello and shake your hand. Um, and, um, you know, I think he he doesn't really... He doesn't normally have a go at the refs. I can't remember the last time he did. He should do. <laughs> I don't think he was very happy about the refs uh, at the weekend. I think he said that it wasn't good enough. Yeah. Um, the, the name of the uh, the campaign that Andros Townsend is helping is Heads Up, by the way, as well. Because as much as uh, we, we talk about homeless and people in living situations that outwardly you can see, uh, inwardly uh, there is a lot of problems with which footballers can relate to as well because they do face. And I, I love to see that players are starting to bring that on board as well. And the the more that, t- that cl- all clubs, not just Crystal Palace, can do for their local communities, the better. Uh, and I think that everyone should be on board with that. Up next, it's Everton this weekend. I know it's the winter break, but Palace don't have a break yet. They have a break <laughs> after the weekend. Yeah. Everton is next. We're going to be talking to ex-Everton forward George Telfer. It is 8.46. This is Love Sport. We've all got one, and we're not afraid to put it on display. Our opinions, that is. Share yours now at Love Sport Radio on Twitter or call us 0208 70 20 558. Love Sport Radio, your fan station. Live across the UK, this is Love Sport Radio. It's a Crystal Palace fan show. Miles Blumsom here, joined by the Back of the Nest podcast team, DR Kernaz, Nick Gillard and James Howard Everton this weekend. Now, the Premier League winter break is in effect. It started, but it doesn't mean that all teams have two weeks off. Well, they do, but not at the same time. So there's two games on Saturday. I think there's two games on Sunday. And then there's a lighter schedule the next weekend as well. Crystal Palace are one of the teams that have a later break. They are playing Everton this weekend. They're playing on Saturday mm. at 12.30. It means every game's on the telly as well, actually. Are you looking forward to the game? Uh, and are you happy that your break comes 
second so that you're more rested for later in the season? Yeah, I'm personally desperate for the game because it's been it, the last one was, you know, I was very disappointed. So I really think that we need to get back on the back onto it um, and away form. You know, sometimes we we come away and we have a couple of bad home home performances and then we go away and we get a sort of a shock result so I'm really looking forward to it but you know we had a um, two week break because we weren't in the FA Cup so the guys have had a, a decent break and then we'll play Saturday and then we'll have another couple of weeks so I think all in all that's probably worked out quite well for us um, so we can make sure that the likes of um, Andros Townsend um, are fully fit and maybe some some other players as well. Okay, to help us preview the Everton game, Goodison Park at 12.30, it's time to do this. The Opposition View on Love Sport. And we have the privilege today to be joined by an ex-Everton player. George Telfer is on the line. George, welcome to the Crystal Palace Fan Show on Love Sport. Thank you very much. Good evening to you. Uh, it, was an, it was an interesting one at the weekend, wasn't it? 2-0 uh, down. Yerry Mina, of all people, scores twice in, in added time at the end of the first half. Everton will know all about added time goals uh, over the last few weeks after the Newcastle game. Uh, a man sent off, and then Theo Walcott scores the winner on the break. All things considered, being 2-0 down, 10 men, a good result in the end. Oh, fabulous result. When, I, when we were 2 down, I thought, well, th- th- that's it. Because we don't very, we very rarely come back from from a goal or two goals down. So to to come back and win three two was a hell of a result, you know. And all credit to them. Hi, George. It's especially James after, here. Especially um, after the Newcastle game. Yeah, I just want to ask you, George. We've had some really good um, sort of uh, entertaining games at your place. Maybe you know they've gone in our favour with a couple of three twos where we've done well. Um, do you think that Everton are still are still liable and suspect to having that sort of a game where there's quite a lot of goals and you know we might be able to scratch a, a sneaky away win, or do you think you're much more solid now under the new manager and that that's very unlikely to happen? I, to be perfectly honest, what is it? I think Palace have done really well this year, and I think Roy Hodgson's done, done marvellous w- w- with with Palace. You know, I, I think they've been unlucky on, on a few results on a few occasions. But they play some good football, Crystal Palace, and I think it'll be a good game on Saturday. Um, you just never know what the result will be. I, I think Everton will win it, but you know, after the Newcastle game, you know, what is it, two 0 up, cruising, you know, in no no danger at all, and then concede two goals in the last in in. in in sudden death bloody overtime, you know. Sorry, <laughs> my <mind. laughs> That's all right. And we'll let you off just this once. Don't let it happen again. Um, <laughs> when when it comes to Everton at the moment, uh, ninth in the table. This weird and wonderful Premier League season that we're having this year that means that just about anything can happen. Two two wins can take you from the brink of relegation to the brink of Europe. Do you think Everton are still sort of harbouring some distant hopes of finishing in that top five? I think it's going to be really difficult. I, I, I... I think with bringing in Angelotti's been been a hell of a boost for the club, and it needed something like somebody to come in and you know sort things out really because what is it we've been woeful at times absolutely woeful and uh, what is it looking at some of the results that we've had of, of recent you know what is it he, he, he seems to be be our key at the moment. I felt that Ferguson came in and had a tremendous impact uh, on on the side and was doing really well. And I, I thought it was a bit unfortunate that you know he had to step aside. But has do you feel that Angelotti is having the same same effect? Um, yeah, absolutely. I think Duncan was the right choice to bring in at the time because Duncan, what is it? Loves Everton. He's Everton through and through, and he he had that passion, didn't he? You know, absolute passion to sort of get the players motivated, you know, and I think that's what was needed at that time. But bringing Angelotti in, and if the players can't play under him, you know, who the hell can they play under? You're right. Um, we are um, bottom of the form table at the moment. You're third at the fo- in the form table, but we've got one of the best away records of the season, so it's going to be a really, really interesting game. What do you, who do you think are going to be the dangerous Palace, palace players? Who, who do Everton need to look out for, do you think? Well, you know, you, you've got a hell of a, what is it, uh, a hell of a striker. What is it? The, the lads that we've for you. 
Wilfred, and Zaha, Wilfred, Zaha, Zaha, Wilfred Zaha, yeah. Zaha is a hell of a player. We, I think we tried to, to snatch him, didn't we, uh, last year, but it, it didn't happen, you know, and he would have been a massive asset. And I think he's, he, he's a massive asset to you, you know. But, you, you know, James McCarthy's come in and done a re- really good job for you, hasn't he? Not not particularly, I have to say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He's had a couple of rough games at home, to be honest with you. and I personally haven't been that impressed by him. I was expecting a lot more, to be honest. Yeah, he's had a lot of injuries. But uh, I think over the last couple of games, he hasn't done bad, though, has he? No, he's he's getting into the role a bit. I mean, the, the problem we've got is none of us here really go to away games and our home form has been dreadful so we're hearing lots of people saying yeah Palace were really good when they came to us um, we're the ones paying all their money for our season tickets and we're not actually getting much entertainment or value for it you know, so... I think you sound like an Everton supporter <laughs> <laughs> just, just uh, look, looking at Ancelotti how important do you think it is to remain patient because He's a good manager. He's got a great resume, um, but of course, there's going to be some. T- uh, there's going to be times where you're going to have blips. But do you, how important do you think that the fan base should remain patient whilst he's the manager? I think you know. What is it? I think Everton supporters have been patient for far too long. To be perfectly honest, mm. you know, and I, 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 I'm not just saying that as an Evertonian, because you know, what is it? Over the last couple of years, we've had so many expectations. We've had had a guy who has come in with millions of pounds. We've spent millions and millions on players and nothing's happened. And, I, you know, when you think, you look at Liverpool, whose transfer, what is it, budget is nowhere near what ours have been. And, and look, they're running away with the league, you know. Uh, just finally, George, before we let you go, what do you think the score is going to be on Saturday at Goodison Park, Everton Crystal Palace? Anger will win 2-0. 2-0. Ooh, you're not made too many people in this studio happy, George. You're a brave man. But <laughs> thanks for joining us. Ex-Everton player George Telfer there. Guys, before we finish, let's go around the studio and do some score predictions for the Everton game. I'll try to be positive and say 1-0 Palace. 1-0 Palace? Yeah, I've written down 1-0 Palace. 1-0 Palace. I'll go for a 2-all draw. 2-all draw, not 4-0 again. <laughs> He's low. No. No. <laughs> to all draw, be a great game though. Great game to watch. It is going to be on the telly. Twelve thirty games are on the telly. Well, uh, that's it for another week. That's flown by, isn't it? That's the Crystal Palace fan show. Thank you to Dr. Nick and James. Uh, we'll be back same time next week, eight o'clock every Wednesday here on Love Sport Radio. If you have missed anything or Love Sport London, uh, check out your podcast provider because we will be putting the podcast up. Or of course, LoveSportRadio.com or the Love Sport Radio app. You can listen back on demand up next uh, on love sport radio will be the bristol city fan show on love sport london i will be uh, joined by the fulhamish guys for the fulham fan show coming up towards nine o'clock this is love sport thanks for downloading this podcast from love sport radio for more go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts news and views or for more follow us at love sport radio on twitter It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van, unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.